Welcome to another episode of Heated Conversations. Today we have go all the way to Division Three. Up north we go, and we go to one of the schools, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Head coach Casey Crawford is joining us on the podcast today to talk about the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, their university as well as their um, gymnastics program. Super excited for her to kind of share with you all. Um, remember to um, share, to like, and subscribe um, to this channel so that you get more information. Welcome, Casey. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be on your podcast. I've been able to see some of your other people and it's great to be on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. As you know, from other episodes and stuff like that. The point of these podcasts is really to inform the gymnastics community about different universities um, and gymnastics programs across the country and where they're located. Because I think not everyone may always know what's out there, um, especially with some of the Division Three or NAIA. Um, sometimes, depending on what part of the country you're in, you may hear of these schools. And from my own experience in being in Division Three, um, I kind of know that for a fact and know, you know, where most of them are kind of centrally located, either in one part of the country or on another part of the country. We'll kind of discuss that. Uh, first of all, I kind of want to talk about where is the University of Wisconsin lacrosse? Um, some may know where Wisconsin might be, but if for those who may not know, where is Wisconsin and in Wisconsin, where are you guys located? Yeah, so, um, you know, here's my little map of Wisconsin. Like, we're, we're right here. <laughs> so we're just uh, two and a half hours from Minneapolis-St. Paul. So it's common for people to kind of fly in there, but you can fly into La Crosse itself. Um, but we are kind of on that western coast of Wisconsin. Um, it's just in a beautiful area um, right along the Mississippi River. Um, so we're about two and a half hours from Minneapolis, and we're about two hours from Madison, which is the capital of Wisconsin. And we're about a four-hour drive to Chicago. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, and we're, you know, Compared to all of our conference opponents, we're right in the center of everyone. So when we travel for competition, nothing is more than a two and a half to three hour drive for us. So we're right in the middle of everyone. Very nice. And you mentioned conference. In which conference is um, the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse part of? So we are part of the WIAC conference, which is one of the strongest division three conferences in the country of any sport. Um, and that stands for Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic uh, Conference. So gymnastics is a little different though. We have five Wisconsin schools that are obviously part of that WIAC. And then we have some affiliates. So there's three Minnesota schools and now Simpson in Iowa is a new program. They're joining the WIAC next year. So we'll have nine gymnastics teams in the WIAC conference next year. Oh, very cool. Yep. That's cool. Um, I didn't know that Simpson was joining you guys, which is really awesome. And um, as you also mentioned, having those Minnesota uh, connections as well. That's part of the conference. Yep. Now, if you may uh, kind of share with the audience, who are all those opponents besides Simpson and you guys? Who are those other schools? Yep. So there is UW Eau Claire, UW Stout, UW Oshkosh, UW Whitewater, and then UW Lacrosse. So those are the five Wisconsin schools. And then Hamlin University is up in St. Paul. Winona State is in Winona, Minnesota, which is just 30 minutes from Lacrosse. And then Gustavus Adolphus is in southern, kind of southern Minnesota, close to the Twin Cities. And then, yeah, so those are those other eight. Those are the ones that have been a part of the conference for many years. And then Simpson is kind of near Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, very cool. And you may know this as well, 
Where are the other Division Three schools located? So that's where there's basically a hub of Division Threes in the Midwest, so Minnesota, Wisconsin, and then the other um, seven schools are in the East Coast, and they're kind of spread out a little bit. A couple are in New York, in the SUNY state of um, state of New York school system. Um, Ursinus is in Philadelphia. Springfield is in Massachusetts, and then there's Rhode Island College, obviously in Rhode Island. Um, I'm going to forget somebody, but that's, you know, majority are kind of in the East Coast. And then um, Centenary is in Louisiana. They're Division Three, And Greenville is in Southern Illinois, almost near St. Louis, and that's another Division Three. But those two schools are not in one of our conferences. Um, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. And those who may not really know like division three gymnastics too much, how is the competition level in gymnastics, both in the WIAC, but also when you guys meet, you know, for your um, division three championships with some of those other universities? Yeah, I think that's always the biggest surprise. I think a lot of club coaches think, oh, well, it's, you know, be, you can always go to division three, but these days that's not necessarily the case. Um, a lot of our athletes are third and fourth year level tens. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, a lot of the top tier programs, we're all competing. Your Chanko layout full is almost in all six of our lineup spots. Like that is just was never the case five, 10 years ago. So the competition has really increased. It's a lot of great level tens, not to say that a level nine can't make a division three team and succeed. We definitely have those athletes who just work their tail off and uh, make the team, or maybe they're just really great at uh, one or two events. And that really helps them. And occasionally we'll have some of those high school gymnasts, that same kind of came, same kind of situation where, you know, they've got a real great strength on a couple of events and can make that division three team. Um, but in general, it's mainly level 10 athletes who are in division three, um, doing some great gymnastics. That's very cool. Now, when you guys are recruiting and stuff like that, do you guys recruit across the country or do you guys typically just because of where you guys are located, kind of stay around, you know, that Midwest area to recruit and do a lot of your athletes come from those same regions? So we definitely recruit across the country. I mean, I think if you look at the rosters of all the Division Three teams, their 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 athletes are from everywhere, um, and that's becoming more popular. But for sure, I you know coming from Wisconsin and I was raised in Minnesota, I definitely look at Region Four, Region Five, you know that Region Three, you know first. I'm always looking at the people that are near us first. But we, we recruit all over the place, and I think all the other schools do as well. So I think our roster only has two kids from Wisconsin, and the rest are from everywhere else. Very cool. Very, very cool. I want to also break down and to kind of talk about your own personal um, gymnastics journey. You know, where, how did you get to the point where you're at now being the head coach of lacrosse? Um, where did it start off? You can go all the way back from you being um, a, a club gymnast, if you were all the way through to how you got your first coaching opportunity um, and even talk about the university you went to and what inspired you to become a gymnastics coach. So, yeah, I started in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. I was a club gymnast at Tag South, which was one of one of the best you know clubs at that time. Um, I had great club coaches who really developed my basics and foundation. And I always felt very grateful. I had a very positive club gymnastics experience. Um, it was a grind. It wasn't easy, but I made it through. Um, and then I actually was really blessed in Minnesota. We have great high school gymnastics and I had a great facility. I had great coaches and I actually moved to high school gymnastics my last couple of years. Um, but I was always a very self-motivated athlete. I never wanted to just 
keep the same skills. I always wanted to get better. So I had a Tkachev in high school gymnastics. I had a great hand front. I, I maintained some of those bigger skills because I still wanted to do college gymnastics. And so when I graduated high school, I was like, okay, I could maybe walk on to a division one, or I could really contribute at a division three. And being raised in Minnesota, I at least had that knowledge of division three gymnastics. You know, a lot of gymnasts just don't even know what it is or where to go. Um, but I, I did. And so I took my visits, you know, I would go to some of the division three national championships when they were hosted. And, um, I, I visited some of the Minnesota and Wisconsin schools and I just fell in love with lacrosse. And so I'm an alum of my own program. I was a gymnast here. I absolutely loved my experience. I just had such a good time. The school was great. The city is great. I had a great gymnastics experience. Um, and I went to school for education. I wanted to be a teacher and a coach since I was 16 years old. I've just always, I always knew what I wanted. That's not always the case for everyone, yeah. um, but I did. And so I do still have my teaching license um, if I ever wanted to go back into that realm. But um, yeah, once I finished, I just was really encouraged by the coach prior to me that like college coaching could be a thing for you. It could be something that you really love. So I got my master's degree at lacrosse in human performance. So I got, it's basically strength and conditioning and, you know, sports psychology and just all the things that help an athlete improve. Yeah. And so I wrapped up my master's degree and I was the assistant coach here for eight years. And then I became the head coach in 2017. And now it's my eighth year as the head coach. So um, 16 years total. And I've, I've loved the whole process, all the things, the good things, the mistakes, everything has taught me something. And um, it's just fun to be able to work at my alma mater. Yeah. And can you tell me about how um, your club coaches, as well as the last coach you mentioned that you were under inspired you and also shaped who you were in some of your personal philosophies as a coach? Oh, yes. I mean, I think every coach I had shaped me and they were definitely the reason why I went into coaching. Um, I always, you know, my club coaches really, to me, taught me discipline. Like it, club, club is a grind, you know, but like I, I was tough. Like I, I came out of it as a really tough athlete. I never, never blamed a coach for anything. I never, I always just worked hard and I earned everything that I got. And I think that my club experience really taught me that. Um, because when you're 10 years old and you're going to the gym five days a week, you don't have a choice. And I always loved that though. You know, maybe that's part of my personality. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to go to the gym and work hard and not, not every kid is like that. Um, but I still think I, I learned that from my club coaches is just how to be tough and how to work hard and, um, earn what you want to get. Um, when I went to high school gymnastics, I had a super compassionate coach and I had never experienced that before. I had never, you know, when I made a mistake, I wasn't kind of yelled at. She, her and the rest of the staff were just really understanding and they would kind of talk things through about how I could get better. And that was the first experience I ever had, had having someone who was really kind of more loving and compassionate. And that really turned me on to coaching because I was like, oh, I want to be that type of coach who's just really there for their athletes. Yeah. Um, and as a whole person. So that was a big turning point for me. And then I always say Barb Gibson, who was my head coach here, um, I learned how to be competitive through her and just kind of that. What's funny is I always say I got a winning mindset from her, but she never talked about winning. We mm. never talked about winning. And I learned how to be, have a winning mindset with her and just that championship culture. Yeah. Um, and just, it's not about doing one thing, right. It's about doing a lot of different, it's about doing a lot of things, right. Right. 
know, and so I really learned a lot from her in regards to that. And so each coach really had an impact in me and, and shaped me into who I am now. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's awesome when people are able to go back to the university that really shaped them, like you mentioned, and be able to be at the helm of it, right? And to lead um, the next generations, um, you know, forward towards their goals, the same things that you got from the program. You know, I believe those are the same things that you're trying to instill in your athletes, you know, and also having a staff that believes in the same thing that you do. Um, and to really, um, your album, your alma mater to really, um, you know, keep it at its glory, right. To keep it at, um, the identity that it was known for why you probably went there and, um, your experience there. So that's always, um, pretty exciting. Um, now, could you also talk about some of your coaches, like who's on your coaching staff currently, um, and what are their specific roles within the program? So I have one full-time assistant coach. Our university does provide us one full-time coach. And so that person is Kelsey Foss, and she was actually a teammate of mine. Um, and so she is new with us this year, but she has not, she's not new to UWL. She has worked um, in our alumni association for a while, but now she's in our full-time role. So she's mainly at Beam. She was a fabulous Beamer um, during her time. So she's at Beam most of the time. Um, I kind of I'm all over the place, so, but I'm kind of the vault and floor coach. And then I get to bars too. Um, and then I've always had three part-time assistant coaches. So Jenna Motz is an alum as well. She's been my part-time assistant for like 11 years now, which is awesome. She has a regular job during the day and then comes in after she's done working. And she has been at bars for all my years and she does fabulous job there. And then I always have two student assistant coaches. So this year I have Kira and Lexi, they're both former gymnasts who just wanted to stay involved in the sport. Um, and they are just fabulous. They can relate to the athletes because they are closer in age, um, but they they have a knowledge of gymnastics. So Kira helps me at vault and floor and Lexi helps out at bars. And so we have always a bigger roster in division three. I have 24 athletes on our team this year and we have a pretty big gym. So I want to have as many eyes on them as I can and different feedback. Yeah. So I've always had five coaches on my staff and I, I like that number. I think it's really helpful. And then we'll sometimes even have some student managers and things like that to help move the mats and just those, those things that kind of add up to you during a practice. Yeah. So yeah, that's our staff. Now. And with, um, and thank you for, sorry, thank you for sharing about your staff and the uh, value that you have within them and the value of the amount of, of staff. Cause I think that's one thing sometimes that could be misunderstood, just especially uh, right now with some of the transitions that happen with division one, where now they can have four, um, paid assist, you know, paid coaches, um, and with different division three, you know, with resources and stuff like that, what um, each university is able to do and able to provide in regards to um, staff for each um, each university, right? Um, yeah. What does what are some of those um, you know what are some of those things that you really rely on your staff? you know, to do for you and to do for the program. Um, what are some of the, you know, strengths that they have in regards to, you know, personality, not necessarily coaching, but what are some of those things, you know, are there like motivators? Are those, are there those who are more, 
just quiet just because that's just their natural. And sometimes that, you know, could speak louder just because they're a little bit more one-to-one and where does that put you in how you kind of manage the team and your staff? Yeah, I think it's crucial that we all are different from one another. You know, I don't want five cases. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> we want different personalities and different things, you know, to be brought to the table table. Yeah. I've always thought of myself as like very passionate. I love to motivate. I love to inspire, but I'm always pretty calm. I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty calm. So I love when my coaches bring the fun, like, you know, because I'm 37, I'm not as fun as I used to be. <laughs> and um, so like that to me is a big key part of my, my assistant coach staff is like, you guys are a little bit younger, like bring the fun, bring the creativity, like have fun with the social media and, you know, make jokes with the girls and, you know, think of new ideas that we can bring to the table at practice. Um, I always meet with our full-time staff, you know, my full-time coach every Monday. We just talk through like, what do we want to do this week? How can we improve this athlete? How can we encourage this one? And just talking through each person and making sure they're on the right track. Um, Vice versa. At the end of practice, we all kind of chit chat. Okay. What didn't go so great today? What did, you know, to get their feedback is really important. Um, And they all have different opinions, which is what you want, you know? Um, So I think the more different we are, the more that we can, you know, provide the whole picture to our team. Yeah. And what are some of the expectations that you have for your team, like having 24 athletes? And is that usually an average number that you have? Yeah, we're pretty typically between 21 and 25. I will say COVID has made us go on that bigger side because we all have some fifth years, um, you know, staying. But for the most part, we're in that 21 to 25 range. Very cool. And what are some of the expectations that you have for your teams like what are you what are you looking for in your um, athletes, especially the ones who are, you know, they're not necessarily ones that you're recruiting, but what's your expectation from your athletes? My expectation always goes back to what is it that they want? What is it that you want for yourself individually and what is it that you want for this team? Because I feel really strongly that a team should be led from within. You know, what is it? What are your goals? And then how can we help you get there? Um, and then by all means, when we have individual meetings, once I kind of know what that is, okay, this is what you want. Well, then this is my expectation that goes with it, you know, yeah. um, communicating about your body and your injuries, um, that we have a standard at an event, you know, like if you're not close to competing, that we're honest about that. And like, let's make sure that you're going to the events that you really can contribute. And what are those things that you need to do to be in that position to make a lineup? Um, so again, once I know what their goals are, then I can kind of set my expectations of, and it really comes down to simple things of like effort and a great attitude. And here's a skill level you got to get to. And this is the 10 0 start value. You need that bonus ending at bars and, you know, all those types of things. Here's my expectation. Um, and then we go from there. Um, but there's no denying every year, our goals are very similar. You know, we, we want to win a national championship. We want to win a conference championship. We got to get, we got to qualify to nationals, which is harder and harder every year. Yeah. Um, so those, those, there's those main outcome goals. And then we really focus on what's the process. What is it that we have to do? What does it take to get there so that we can end with no regrets and say, we gave it everything we got. Yeah. No, that's good. I think those expectations, especially how you said that come from within, instead of feeling like you're having to, you know, um, hold their hand and almost pull them, you know, they're the ones kind of leading and you're just kind of guiding them. Right. Uh, Because they came there for a reason and it's a sport that they're enjoying. They, they went through the process of looking at a university and looking at, 
you know, um, different programs and stuff like that and wanting to be a part of something special alongside of their academics that yep. they want to pursue um, a job or a career post their gymnastics career. Um, and so being having athletes who are, you know, having, you know, their own goals personally that also contribute con- contributes to the team and yeah. that also contributes to um, supporting the team. Uh, main goal, I think, is really, really important um, and very commendable, you know. Um, and in talking about that, how do you set up that internal leadership? Do you have designated captains? Do you have a leadership team? What are some of the ways that you kind of allow the team to, you know, grow from within? That's definitely something I have played with over the last uh, eight years, for sure. Um, What we have really settled on and what I really like is that we do designate two captains. um, But then from there, we believe in shared leadership. We believe everyone has a role, that it's not just on those captains to do everything. The weight of everything is not on their shoulders. So we do have a leadership team in combination. So there is one representative from each class, one freshman, one sophomore, one junior, and another senior. Um, And so those four leadership team members plus the captains are our leadership team. So our captains do more organizational things like I'm kind of kind of go to them when I have questions about what the team wants. um, And hey, let's get this done and those types of things. And then we meet every other week with the leadership team and we just go through developing them as leaders. It could be all sorts of different topics, um, but we just try to help them grow as a leader so that they can get out in that practice gym or in that competition gym and set, you know, uh, just be there for their team in all sorts of different roles. Yeah. So that's how we've set it up. No, I love it. I love it. I think having that combination, having each class have a voice and have a representative, um, I think is important because I think, you know, there's times where each class has their own identities and they kind of have their own, you know, ways of thinking just because they can relate to each other because they're going through the similar things um, during the year. So I think that's great. Um, And what is in regards to division three practice um, in division one, you know, they only get 20 hours of a lot of gymnastics, you know, related stuff, period of that, you know, training meetings, um, um, activities and stuff like that in division three, do you guys have those same limitations um, as division one and um, if not what are those uh, parameters that you guys have so we do follow that same rule we get 20 hours per week and that includes everything so in that regard we follow exactly the same as division one but we do have more restrictions in the off season like we are not allowed to have optional practices in the summer um, so uh, many of them go home for the summer or they have to train on their own Um, So that's a little bit different. So they do kind of get to go home and be with their families in the summer. And then this year, we actually had a a little bit of a change. In Division Three. it used to be that you got 19 weeks of a season. So if you practice one day, one week, that counted as your entire week. Um, And so a lot of times you would take the whole week off of Thanksgiving because you didn't want to count that whole week if you had days off. But now Division Three is kind of going to, or NCAA is kind of deregulating a lot of things. And so now Division Three is allowed to count days instead of weeks. So we get 114 days to practice um, from September 7th until 
the end of the academic year. So we've been able to actually have um, real practices in September. It used to always be open gyms, um, but now we, we got to practice some a couple of days a week, each day in September. And then in October, we kind of got back to our five days a week or four days a week if we take Wednesdays off. So that's some differences between uh, Division One and Division Three. They have like a, a specific date they can start, I think, in September. Well, we can just count days. And so it's up to each head coach how you utilize those days. Very cool. And talking about, you know, those um, the, the hours, what are some of the programs that the athletes um, are part of academically? Um, to be able to fit into their hours and stuff like that. And also, um, what are your hours each day that you guys practice in regards to? Are you guys morning time? So they take more afternoon, evening classes or more afternoon practices, or do you guys do more evening um, practices? So we practice from 3.15 to 6 o'clock. So we're always in that afternoon to evening time slot, Monday through Friday. We always have our Saturdays and Sundays off. Um, you know, the girls are majoring in, in all sorts of different majors. So we, we pretty much have everything on the team, but lacrosse is known for our science and allied health. So we're very strong in physical therapy, athletic training, anything in the sciences, pre-med, pre-PA. Um, those are all really common. So we do have a lot of science majors or exercise and sports science majors. Um, but we really actually have little class conflict. They're all, you know, for the most part, able to get their classes done before that 315 practice time. Um, and then some of them might have a night class that starts at 530 or 6. So they might have to come in early or just get their practice in in an efficient time. Yeah. Um, of our team of 24, I have like four who are in that category where a couple times a week they have to come in later, leave early, and that's it. So we've been really fortunate that we've been able to get our athletes to revolve around that practice time for many years. And so far, it's still working for us. No, I love it. And where do your athletes get to compete? And also, um, do you guys also have... Um, like your facility in regards to your facility is uh, your facility, um, you know, separate from some of the other ones or you guys combine and when you guys compete, you guys compete in a shared shared arena, um, any of those things? So we compete in our main basketball gym. So, and then our practice gym is like the next building over. So for the most part, we have a lot of like a whole set of equipment in our competition area so we don't have to bring everything over but we do have to bring some things over and our uh, we have people we pay to do that um but our practice facility is amazing it's brand new we've been in there for five years um it's newly renovated and and it's really nice a lot of soft landings and those types of things and a lot of space um and then our competition gym is in again the main basketball arena so we do share that with basketball volleyball wrestling you know all those sports use that venue as their competition venue but with us being on friday nights there's very little conflict we're able to get in there and and have our meets in there and it's a great great place to compete too so yeah that's very exciting and how does the fan turnout look is there a lot of support from the community, a lot of support from the university. Um, and on average, what, how many fans turn out in a home competition? 
Yeah, we've always felt really strong that our home meets bring in great fans, especially for a Division Three program. Um, and so, and that's why we do it on Friday nights. That's always been our strategy. Is the student body is more likely to come if it's on a Friday night. It's just more exciting, um, and it's yeah, our parents still can get there and those types of things. So I, we've had anywhere from five hundred to a thousand people at each of our home meets, which is great. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of our fan. And we do everything different. You know, every home meet, we try to have like, okay, this is a maroon out or this is a co- you know fight night for a different cause. Or, you know, you try to have those incentives that bring people in. Um, and then we do have a rec program called Junior Eagle Gymnastics. So our athletes coach in that program after practice. And so we have 220 kids that come in through our doors Monday through Thursday night to learn gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, three-year-olds to 17-year-olds. And so obviously that's our goal is to get them at our home meets as well. And so we'll have, you know, those youth nights and we'll have a poster signing and we'll do all those things to try to bring our community in. I love it. I love it. Now with the athletes, do they get excited about certain um, meets in regards to either rivalries or anything like that? Kind of what gets them excited to compete? Um, Is it certain schools um, and you know, what school specifically is the rival, but, but also um, what kind of gets them, you know, amped up to, to compete and put on the best performance that they can on every given night that they get an opportunity to. For sure. I think they would answer that every meet brings something different and we focus so much on being our best selves. That's, that's like the fun thing about gymnastics is there's no offense or defense. It's like, it's just trying to improve your score and trying to be the best you can be. And so they're going to always respond with that, you know, like, well, every meet is exciting because our goal is to beat who we were last week. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we start, but for kind of society's sake and for the fun stuff, of course, Whitewater and Oshkosh and us have always been real strong stout. To, I mean, I hate to name certain schools but the there's been three to four of us they're always kind of at the top every year and so yeah when you're going against those teams it's a little more okay here it is you know who's better this year and who's going to get it done and um, so they're always excited for those meets yeah and i really ask that so then you know people can kind of showcase not that they shouldn't follow every competition but you know if there's fans out there that are going to go and see a gymnastics meet you know one that probably will have a lot of energy because typically those those um, ones that the athletes feel emotionally tied to um, typically have a great, you know, great show and great performance just because yes. there's a lot that they've put into it, you know, not that they haven't in their training, but there's a lot of the emotional side. So you'll see them super excited about, you know, the scores that they're getting and as well as, you know, really putting out their best, making sure that they're sticking, you know, those landings and making sure they they have, you know, um, great support happening and even just getting the fans involved floor routines that are really you know showing off and performing and stuff like that to really um elevate the 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 level of competition which i think that is necessary um as division three already has elevated their um skill level in the last you know five to ten years um you know and even in recruiting like you had mentioned you know having multiple uh, year level tens, where sometimes that seemed that 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 was something that only the division ones got to, and sometimes it was only the top division ones got those multi year level yep. um, ten athletes, and to have that. Um, and what is? Can you describe a competition environment at Division Three, like a conference? like the conference championship, can you describe what that energy is like? 
Oh yeah. It's like extremely loud. (laughs) People have described it as like a rock concert, you know, like it's just super intense. And, you know, our conference meet is also our qualification to nationals. So it is, it's pretty intense. You know, it's like everything kind of is on the line there. You got to just get the job done. And um, with eight teams, it's always been capital cup. So there's four teams competing while the other four teams are warming up in a different gym and you're swapping every event. And so uh, it's like an emotional roller coaster as you watch each team. Uh, but yeah, it's intense. And that's what we want. You know, I mean, I think in the past, we maybe weren't as competitive. That is something that we have built over time. Um, and now every team we go against in our conference is strong. You know, you can never count any team out. Um, and so it especially feels that way at a conference championship. So that's really exciting. That's a good thing for our sport and for Division Three. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Do you guys run any summer camps or any fall camps or anything like that? We always have a high performance camp the third week of June. So I always encourage juniors and seniors and sophomores um, to um, look at that camp. We usually post it by January of the, you know, the year of. Um, and so that's just a three day camp and you'll get to stay overnight in the dorms and our usually our um, incoming sophomores are the camp counselors. So you really get to meet the team. Um, and spend three days on our campus and practice in our gym and get to know our coaches. So we do that every June. Very cool. And talking about also um, camps, when you mentioned the, you know, the seniors and juniors, do you guys have the same limitations that um, division one and division two schools has where you can only talk to athletes who are, going into their the summer of going into their junior year or can you guys reach further out and start actually having conversations with athletes that are younger so division three does have less regulation so we can talk to anyone who's a freshman or above okay reach out to us we can reach out to them i will say it's still very common for us to not talk very seriously until junior year um, you know, that's when communication really gets more consistent, but we don't have the rules that division one and two have in regards to that. So you're able to talk to us as much as you want as soon as you're in high school. Very cool. And to kind of wrap it up, can you leave the viewers and the listeners with anything that you got, you want to talk about, like anything unique about the university or anything that you think that people should know about UW lacrosse? I think people are really wild when they come to lacrosse. Cause I think when you hear Wisconsin, it's kind of like, oh, what's, what's so cool about that state? Um, or it's winter. Yeah. Um, but I think when you come to see lacrosse, it is such an awesome city. It is a true college town. There's lots to do. The town, downtown area is awesome. Um, it's very outdoorsy. Like we have these beautiful bluffs and hiking trails and the Mississippi River and the campus is gorgeous. There's so many great things that I think people don't realize until they visit and then they're really impressed. Um, and it's fabulous academics. We're just, we're the top academic school um, in the state. We're always ranked really high in the Midwest. Um, so you're coming to a great academic school and that's why you're in college, you know, is to get, get your degree and to move forward. So um, with all those things in mind, I think that's what really sells it. Um, I always joke that I didn't just choose here once, I chose it twice. You know, I was here as an athlete and I chose to raise my family here and to have my career here. Yeah. Um, and we just have a great community. We love the people who live in lacrosse and um, we just love everything about it. So that's I what it. I have to say. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast and talking about UW lacrosse. Um, for those who didn't um, hear it in the beginning. So UW stands for University of Wisconsin and uh, lacrosse, which is near 
kind of the um, southwest yep. border southwest. of yep. Wisconsin um, and about 30 minutes from Winona, about two and a half hours, you said, from Minneapolis. Yep. Um, and so uh, we appreciate Casey for being on the podcast. And remember, um, you can always uh you can always continue your dreams. There's always opportunities. And sometimes we may not know, depending on what part of the country you're in, you might just know certain universities just because that's what you've seen. That's what you know. Um, I encourage you to reach out. Uh, some of these division three programs are amazing. And I know that personally because I was part of one um, when I was at University of Wisconsin uh, Whitewater for a year. And the energy, just like Casey was talking about, is is amazing. And the level of gymnastics is up there. So if you get an opportunity, um, parents, coaches, and athletes, tune in to some of these meets and follow along and watch them as they keep rising and keep pushing the level of gymnastics. Well, thank you again for joining another episode of Heated Conversation. I'll see you guys on the next one.